most people, including myself, don't want to think about most things. Like 90% of the time, I just want somebody to tell me what to do. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hi, welcome listener. You're tuned into Traffic Jam episode 48 and joining me, your host, James Reynolds, we have today Ryan Harris from videofruit.com. But before we get to Brian, just a reminder that if you haven't yet subscribed to Traffic Jam via iTunes or Stitcher, you can do so by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash iTunes and trafficjamcast.com forward slash Stitcher. And whilst you're there, I'd love for you to comment on and rate the show. Your feedback is extremely invaluable to me. And furthermore, if you comment there, I'm very likely to read your name out on a future episode. So if you'd like to get yourself at least a couple of seconds of airtime, that's a really good way to do it, at least on this show. Now, back to today's episode, we're joined by Brian Harris, who's got a website called videofruit.com, which has really risen to notoriety in a very short space of time. Now, what Brian's doing at Videofruit is putting together formulas and case studies detailing strategies that others are implementing very successfully. Now, some of those strategies come from within the marketing space and also some of those strategies come from outside of the marketing space. For instance, Brian's deciphered the strategies and tactics of Barack Obama and David Letterman, for instance. Hardly obvious choices, you might think. Now, one such formula which Brian has put together, which we'll be deep diving into on today's episode, is the EGP formula. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. So you can get the most out of the EGP formula training. I've put together a special cheat sheet and resource guide for you. And you can get your hands on both by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 48. That's trafficjamcast.com forward slash 48. So why don't you head on over there right now, download the resource guide and the cheat sheet and follow along as you're listening in to this episode. Episode. So let me introduce Brian. He's, well, really a bit of a rising star on the scene, to be honest. His site, Video Fruit, has gotten real traction within just a few months, and he's now contributing regularly to the Lead Pages blog. Um, he's also written for Noah Kagan's OK Dork, and he's garnered praise from Andrew Warner and Brian Dean, the latter of which introduced me to Brian Harris and put this interview together. So I think that's enough to introduce Brian. I think we should now welcome him onto the call. So without any further ado, here's Brian Harris from videofruit.com. So hey Brian, how you doing today? Hey, doing good. Thanks for having me on. Cool. Well, you've got this whole approach to guest blogging that I want to talk to you about on today's session, nicknamed the EGP formula. What exactly is the expanded guest post formula? Yeah, the expanded guest post formula builds on a technique I discovered a few months ago called content upgrades. 
And it's the idea of having inline call to actions uh, inside of content you create. So uh, if you think about a typical blog, you have a header that sometimes might have an email opt-in. You have a sidebar, which usually has links to places that have email opt-ins. You have a welcome gate on a page a lot of times that is completely focused on email opt-ins. After trying over 20 different methods of collecting email addresses for my blog over the past, well, since January, so over the past 10 months, um, I've discovered that the, the single most effective method for collecting and building your email list is using something called a content upgrade. And it's the idea of inside of your post, you're talking about a specific topic. So make your giveaway, make your free thing you're giving your customer or giving your reader be about whatever it is you're talking about. So if you write a, a post about how to train your dog, uh, how to teach him how to sit, and at the end of your post, you have a call to action of a video you can download that teaches your dog how to fetch, that's all right. It's kind of related, but not really. If at the end of the post you had a 10-point checklist and a walkthrough tutorial video of how to get your dog to sit, then that's going to convert extremely well. And I've seen opt-in rates of well over 30% routinely on this type of approach. And an expanded guest post builds on that and uses that in guest posts. So if my blog has 15,000 readers a month and I go post on a blog that has 100,000 readers a month and I use an expanded guest post, I can convert 30% of those 100,000 people, 100, people versus 30% of my 15,000 people, uh, which means you can build a list really rapidly by just posting on other people's site and using the expanded guest post content upgrade approach uh, and send those people back to your blog with a relevant download and capture their email list or email address then. Yeah, well, it's a nice strategy. And I guess the the expected call to action would be to drive people back to your blog to, to opt into something. But I, I checked out a post you'd done for leadpages.net and you've actually done something kind of even sneakier than that on that post. <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah, so, I mean, normally, well... In a lot of guest posts, what people do, they make the, the, the error of never of not putting uh, links or any type of way for people to find you anywhere except the byline at the end of the post. So I wrote this whole post on how to train a dog to sit, and at the very end, usually below the related post section, is a byline about Brian, and it says, hey, Brian's a dog trainer. Here's a link to find out more about his info. Click here. That just never gets clicked on at all. And yeah. if it does, it sends them back to videofruit.com, like the main root domain. Uh, so that would be going to a landing page, which is not specific and doesn't incentivize them at all. What I did with lead pages is baked it into the actual post. So with lead pages, I wrote a guest post about two different product launches I did. Uh, and inside of that post, I talk about different methods I use, and I talked about a bonus I was going to include at the end of the post and bake that bonus into the post itself where it felt very natural throughout the post. And then at the very end of the post, the entire post built up to a climax, the very end, which said, hey, if you want to learn more about this specific technique, I'm giving you a bonus. And honestly, off the top of my head, I, don't, I can't remember exactly what the bonus <laughs> was in that post. But when you click the link to download it, it popped up a box. It didn't load another page. It popped up what's called a lead box. So your page didn't have to reload or anything. It just clicked. It popped up. You entered your email address, and you immediately get sent to a page where you could download the bonus. Instead of when you click sending them to a landing page um, and then getting them to, to enter their email address, I, I put a box in there which popped up without reloading. It allowed them to enter their email address and went on. And usually you can get 70 to 80% opt-in rates uh, on those lead boxes 
by doing that versus a 30 to 40% opt-in rate if you send them to an actual page that has to reload that doesn't that doesn't have the design and everything of the site they're on. You just lose people in that process. So if at all possible, some blogs won't let you, um, but if at all possible, include a lead box in there. And that alone will, for me, has doubled my opt-in rates just by doing that. Yeah. Well, how do you get around that? I mean, because... One, it's fantastic. If you can get a lead box in there, then you know you're you're laughing all the way to the party. Um, if you can't get a lead box, you'd of course go for a link back to your site. But how do you manage those scenarios where you know the editors really are very, let's say, not at all liberal in terms of the amount of links that they allow you back to your own site? Do you even um, entertain those opportunities, or would they be just a non-starter for you? Um, I mean, it would just depend on, yeah, yes, I would entertain the opportunity because it depends on the traffic. I mean, I've seen um, lead boxes get published on Huffington Post, on entrepreneur.com, on Buffer, on HubSpot, on Kissmetrics. Like, there's a lot of sites that'll let you, one. Uh, two, if, if just for some reason you won't, I would, I would drop back and look at your writing to start with and see if, if it's an epic post, if it's a really, really useful post, I've never had a problem with that before. Um, if it's a post that's kind of marginal and you're recycling some material and it isn't top notch, then the, the writer or the editor is more likely to give you grief about something like that. But if you're writing first class material, that's the best way to avoid that is write the best piece of content on that topic that's ever been written. And it blows away the editor so much they could care less if you have a call to action. Now, somebody who's listening and is probably has never tried this before and is like, all right, that sounds great, but that wouldn't happen to me. First of all, shut up and actually do it first. And then <laughs> if you have a problem, figure out a solution to it. An easy solution is just to send them to a custom landing page yeah. um, that's not the generic sign up for my newsletter landing page. That it's, hey, welcome, buffer readers. Here's the post that, or here's the checklist that I promised you in the post. Click here to download and then have an email box there for them to sign up. That would convert well. Not quite as well as a lead box, but it still converts extremely well. And if you're posting on a site that has 150,000 uniques a month and you convert 40% versus 60%, all right, you lost a few people, but like you're still getting a massive boost to your list, a bigger boost than any other technique I know of uh, that involves creating content. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, if you can't get a lead box in, one, examine that you're writing good content. Not good content, but world-class content. And if you if you can't do that, Quit focusing on expanded guest post and go learn how to write well and then come back. <laughs> yeah, guess- that's the single most important thing you do is can you create really, really, really good content? And if not, I mean, you can focus on some techniques like this, but honestly, you're not ready yet. You need to become a better writer first. Yeah, and I guess the point is here, right? If you're if you're actually offering up something as a content upgrade that really does deliver value and extended learning and expands out on the posts that you've written, why would they have a problem with it? Yeah, and, uh, and right now, not many people do this at all. Like It's like list posts. Well, it's kind of like list posts were five years ago. They were really popular. They worked extremely well because not many people did them. Content upgrades are in the exact same place right now. The problem is they take a lot more work, and they require you to actually be a good writer. <laughs> and there's just a lot less of those. Like Anybody can go round up 10 posts and make a list post. And as people did that, the technique became less effective because it saturated the market. Up content upgrades, I don't think we'll ever reach the level of saturation that list posts are at because it requires more work and most people are lazy and most people suck at writing. So, uh, But it is an awesome technique and not many editors have ever even seen it before. So not many people know to not allow it. Now, after it's been done 10 times on the same blog, maybe they'll develop a policy against it. 
But right now, most people don't even have a policy that addresses upgrades at all. So you can, and, and at the end of the day, you're not trying to hoodwink anybody. All you're trying to do is one, write the best piece of content that's ever been written on the subject, and two, go even beyond that with the content upgrade and make it even more helpful. And if you think about it from that approach, your upgrade is helping their reader even more. It's not trying to get their email address. It's not trying to scam anybody. It's not trying to get past editorial guidelines. It's simply trying to help the reader more than any other post on that blog has ever done. And if you can successfully do that, you can get people to ignore a lot of stuff that they would normally otherwise object to with lesser quality content. Well, let's take a, a step back a moment and talk about what type of content actually works best for the post itself. What sort of guidelines do you have there? I mean, what I found to work the best um, is step-by-step how-to uh, tutorial type of post. And honestly, that's just my favorite type of post to begin with, mainly because that's the type of post that I want to exist on the internet. It makes the internet a better place when you have stuff that teaches people what to do and not... Let me tell you the 10 common mistakes that people make with blogging. I mean, come on. That's been written so many times. Like, please write something helpful. Don't tell me what's wrong. Tell me how to do it right. Um, so what I found to be helpful is that. Like, most people, including myself, don't want to think about most things. Like, 90% of the time, I just want somebody to tell me what to do. Like, I, I don't want to go figure out the best workout. I just want to pay a trainer and him tell me what to do. Like, I want to focus my efforts where I can where I can affect my readers the most, which is I want to focus on producing content and teaching better than anybody else in my world. Um, so going out and trying to decipher the best way to get my workout in, that's just a waste of my creative energies for me. I just assume pay somebody for that. Same thing with writing content. Like somebody probably doesn't want to go out there and figure out how to set up a content upgrade inside of MailChimp. One, it's a massive pain in the butt. So I've written a step-by-step how-to article that tells you exactly how to do that. Because go spend five minutes, see if you can figure it out. And then once you're frustrated, go read my post. And it just gives you the exact thing to do. So there's no pontificating. There's no analyzing. There's no being a talking head. It's actually teach somebody how to do something. And that's so rare to do on a high level that you stick out like a sore thumb in a good, in a good kind of way. It just sticks out. And then with a the content upgrade, it just takes that to the next level. So here are the 10 steps you need to follow to set up your content upgrade in MailChimp. And oh, by the way... Here's a bonus that you can get. There's a video of me actually walking through and doing all that in person that you can walk, that you can watch and just follow along. Like that takes that 10-step post to a completely different level. And oh, by the way, you have to enter your email address to get it. So I would love to enter my play. Please give me that video because I want it in order to successfully execute that. Yeah. Now, I've discussed a lot about both the importance of selecting the right websites in terms of audience size and in terms of match when we're exploring guest post opportunities but even with those kind of two things in place good size of website highly trafficked and with the right sort of people actually reading it can guest posts still flop oh sure yeah um i mean I, again i keep on coming to that the same topic if you, if the article sucks and honestly another another measure it isn't just quality of article uh, one thing i found to be really important is writing your post in a way that the entire post is pointed towards that bonus. So you bake, the, it isn't, hey, here's the 10 steps. And at the very end of the post, oh, by the way, grab this video if you want to learn more. Like most people don't make it to the end of the post, so they would never see that. Yeah. You have to write your post like a TV show. So me and my wife started watching Dexter, the TV show, like two months ago. 
And it, it's an all right TV show. Like it's not, it's, I give it probably a B minus. Um, but something they're really good at is creating open loops inside of their TV shows. Game of Thrones does a great job of this. So you watch an episode of Game of Thrones, you, like when the season premiere comes on next spring, everybody's going to be anticipating it. You're going to get, you're going to watch the episode and they're not going to answer but like one of your 50 questions. So they're going to bring up a bunch of storylines. Their storylines are already extending from last season. You're expecting this episode to fulfill all of that. And when you read it, they fulfill just a little bit of it, but the rest of it is left hanging for the next episode. So that makes you binge watch TV shows. And that's why Netflix is so popular because you can watch the entire season of House of Cards in one sitting and waste 13 hours on it. You need to build your blog post the same way. You need to create an open loop inside of that post that brings anticipation to the end of it so your reader has to get that bonus. It isn't just an, an addendum at the very end. It's like the entire point of the post. So an yeah. example of because that's kind of ethereal. I did this with, uh, ooh, I can't remember who I did it. Maybe Noah K. No, it wasn't him. I think, Oak, I think lead pages maybe. Anyway, some guest post I did recently, my memory fails me. I was talking about different methods of, of um, collecting email addresses. So with them, I shared three ways that I collected email addresses, three of the most effective ways with content upgrades being number one, but I shared two other techniques as well. But I said, hey, I have 10 major ways I collect email addresses, but we don't have time to go into depth with all 10 of them. So I'm going to share with you three of my favorite. So then I talked about the, th- the three, described them in detail. And then several different times throughout that post, I made reference to other techniques as well. And then at the very end of the post, I said, hey, if you want to get all of the other seven, get all 10 um, email collecting techniques as well, I've created a 30-minute video that walks you through all of them. Click here to enter your email address and you can get all 10. And that bakes in anticipation. Like you immediately create a knowledge gap in the very beginning by saying, I'm going to share with you three of my favorite 10. And what, and the reader's thinking, all right, well, what's the other seven? Like, that's great. He's giving me three, but what about the other seven? Are they better? Are they worse? Like, I don't know. And then you talk about the three and bake anticipation and even into those three at the very end, you give them that call to action and they're waiting for that. Like they're going to read through that post and get to the call to action then. Um, so that's one way you can take a really well written piece of content and use the expanded guest post route and actually make that content convert. Yeah, got it. Well, I don't think your example was entirely ethereal, at least for me. I've just watched literally five whole seasons of Breaking Bad back to back. And um, um, they do the exact same thing. It's just like the, the start of the episode, they'll have a flashback towards the end of the episode. So you're always on tenterhooks to see exactly how that scenario folds out. And of course, then at the end of the episode, they open up something for the following one. It just keeps you constantly gripped to see what's coming next, right? It's amazing. Like one of my favorite techniques in in doing this whole online business experiment is taking stuff out of other industries. And I think writing TV shows is like that's how your blog should be. And that's how I'm trying to write the video for blog is like a t- every blog is a t- is an episode of the of the TV show, yeah. episode of the movie where it leads into the next one and it talks about the previous one and leaves you waiting for the next one. So it isn't just these one-off things you're doing. And your guest post isn't a series, but it's like the pilot episode that leads into the real ep- the real season of the TV show, which is your actual blog and your products or whatever it is you're doing. So you have to write that pilot correctly. It can't just be awesome content. It has yeah. to be awesome content that leads them into the rest of the content. Because there's no way you can teach everything they need to know in one 1,200-word blog post. Like You just physically can't do it. And if you try to, it's not going to be good. So 
talk about the main thing, get them hooked, and then lead them into the rest of the content. So it's an overall structure thing as well as a content upgrade thing. If you if you just do one or the other, you're not going to get the full effect. Yeah. Well, let's talk next a little bit about how we might seek out these opportunities. Because I guess unless you're real authority in your marketplace, these aren't going to necessarily be landing on your lap. How do you go about pitching the expanded guest post to website owners and, and try and get your foot in the door there? Well, I think it starts with understanding how uh, the sites that you want to write on think. And for me, I, I didn't really understand this in the beginning, but, but after doing it a little bit now, I understand more in that every website owner wants good content. Everybody, yeah. everybody want like you can write for, if you're a really good fitness writer, you can write for the New York Times fitness column. If, if you're the best at doing that, um, but all you have to do is show them that show them your content. Say, hey, here's an article that I've written for you. It's world class. It's better than what you're doing now. And you ch- if you're persistent with that over time, you're going to be able to publish for them yeah. uh, because everybody wants really good content. So if you were going to pitch me. Um, it would depend on who you are. If you've never, if, I guess you got two different classes of people. If you have somebody that's just has zero market authority at all, if I've never heard of you before, and I go to your website and there's like two articles, then you're kind of on stage one. Stage two would be that you've written for six months and you have a lot of content out there and you've written for some other people. Then it's infinitely easier to pitch that because you can reference past work. But most people are in stage one. They they kind of are just starting or they've never written for other people. Uh, and the best way I found that people can write for me, which is the only way I can answer the question because different people process this differently, uh, is to show them your work. Like if, if you send me a sample, if you say, Hey Brian, I noticed, let let me, let me back up a minute in the pitch. You have to grab their attention in the first two sentences. So one way I like to do that is by showing them that I know who they are and that I've read some of their past content. So I would open the email, something like this. Hey Brian, uh, or, hey, James, my name is Brian with Video Fruit. Uh, I've been following your blog for the past year. I love your content. Recently, you wrote an article about how to build your email list. I really appreciate that article. I actually took it and implemented some of the strategies you recommended there and have started my list, and now I have 100 people. That sentence is so pivotal because it shows me you're not another Yahoo wannabe that isn't willing to work. It means that you took advice that I've already given you and acted on it. And that goes such a long way. So if you're writing writing a fitness column for the New York Times guy, you would write him and say, hey, Steve, my name is Brian. I noticed you wrote an article about XYZ. I actually took some of your advice and I've implemented it and I've seen these results. That goes a long ways in letting them know you're a real human and that you read their stuff and you know who they are. The next step I would do uh, would be to show them some of your work. Uh, and specifically, go ahead and write. If you're just starting out and you have no body of work, you have to show the body of work. So write an article for me. If you know I'm about to lead into a series of posts on life sequences and you kind of know what they're going to look like because you've read some of my content in the past, write a post about life sequences and write it in my style. Write it in a way that my readers resonate with it. And that that answers all of my questions because of my questions when I get pitched are, are you a Yahoo? Do you know what you're talking about? Can you actually write good stuff? That's the number one thing. Can you write world-class content? And if you just send me a PDF attachment that says, hey, I went ahead and wrote an article and I analyzed 15 launches that I've noticed recently, fully diagrammed all the emails out and gave notes about how other people could do it and also gave a step-by-step formula. And oh, by the way, I shot a 30-minute video that shows you how you can do the same thing. That catches my attention because it's so unique. 
Like you went, like you spent 20 hours making that. And honestly, in the beginning, that's what you have to do. Don't think volume. Don't think quantity. Think quality. So go ahead and create that and send it to me. And I will say yes in about three seconds for you posting that because nobody else has ever done that before. And not many people can do it because no people are usually aren't willing to put in the time to do it. So two steps. Number one, let them know you're a human by referencing password. Number two, spend 20 hours writing a world-class article and send it to me and make sure it jives up with the current theme of what I'm talking about. And the chances of you getting published are through the roof if you do that. I've never been told no using that approach myself. Yeah, well, I've had similar experiences with a very similar formula, actually. I mean, uh, I tend to sort of seek out guest opportunities by first citing the website, citing a particular piece of content, which I'm familiar with, and then perhaps lead to something like, hey, this was great, but I thought it was missing this. How about I write on that topic? Because I know you readers would enjoy it. And here's some other examples of where I've done similar stuff. Um, and it's, you know, it's, as you said, it's actually easier said than done. As long as you've got a body of work behind you, people are just actually screaming out for good stuff. Um, and it's uh, it's uh, it's kind of amazing that so few people are actually reach- reaching out for these opportunities themselves. Yeah, the number one problem is writing quality. Like th- that's why I keep coming back to that. If you if you can't write good stuff yet, like don't waste your time pitching people. Like just get like spend them in six months. You can become not grammar and punctuation and all that crap. Like I could care less about that. I'm talking about actually being able to teach stuff. Spend six months. Become a good writer by writing on your own blog and seeing what works and then start reaching out to people. And it's surprisingly easy to do when you can write well. Yeah, definitely. So and If you can become a good writer, you can get as much traffic as you want because you can write anywhere you want. Yeah, totally. And then nothing there beats actually getting out and writing frequently. Like put yourself a schedule together, stick to it consistently and get stuff Every out day. there until you exactly get it, get it out there. Right, right. Every single day. If you're struggling with that, the cure is last December, I'd never written stuff before. I mean, I hadn't written since college. I started writing (laughs) 250 words a day. I'm the worst speller, grammar person you've ever met in your life. You read any of my blog posts, you could probably find at least 20 errors in all of them. But you know what? People could care less. Like, people don't care about that. I mean, do I want to get better? Yes. I've hired an editor. Hopefully, that'll help. Like, but honestly, I just don't care. Like, what I want to do is become really good at teaching people how to do stuff. And, you know, get good at that. Spend six months, write every single day, press publish once a week, and you will be a good writer by this, what, what month is it? It's October, November, December. So by March, by March, if you're listening to this and haven't even started yet, by March, you can get published on entrepreneur.com, inc.com, Buffer, HubSpot, my blog, any blog you want by next March if you do that. Write 250 words a day, press publish once a week, and constantly be trying to improve and you will be at the point at that point. You'll be substantially ahead of where you are now. And if you have any kind of chops to you at all, you'll be at a point where you can be published anywhere. Yeah. Let's loop a little bit back to content upgrades because I noticed a post you'd written uh, reasonably recently, at least the time of recording this, that was titled 11 Ways to Turn Readers into Subscribers, where you actually laid out some content upgrade examples. Um, I think there was 11. Which of those were your favorites and do you recommend others pursuing as a as a first step with content upgrades? Um, I mean, it's really experimentation, honestly, because it's going to vary based on industry and everything. Um I mean, for me, one of my favorite things to do now, like I've experimented with all these just because it's kind of the fastest and I think it has a higher perceived value, is doing two or three videos at the end. Um, I've done a lot of videos, so it's fairly easy for me to do. I just turn on my webcam and turn on the screencast and record. 
So if I give you a step-by-step, uh, I'll just go through those steps with an actual example uh, and say, all right, we talked about how to set up your content upgrades in MailChimp. Now I want to show you how to do it. And I just turn on the camera and record me doing that. And I found my readers really like that because they can get the concepts and get it by reading, but then they can follow. It's like fixing, like I had to fix my refrigerator recently because the, I don't know what happened to it, but some crap, some it froze up or something. So I, I Googled around, found an article that showed me the most likely problems with it. I identified one of them as being the problem and it showed me how to fix it. But then I went to YouTube to actually see somebody fixing it, <laughs> which was interesting. Like I didn't even think about it that I was doing it. This was just natural me trying to find a solution. I watched the video and then when I fixed it, I just put the video right beside the refrigerator and fixed the refrigerator while watching the video. I think blogs really suck for implementation. They're really good for learning. They're really good for reference, but they suck for actually implementing because they're hard to find and you have sidebars that are distracting and you have to bookmark it and it's a pain in the butt. But a video is really handy for actually using to implement whatever it is. That can be exercise, it can be nutrition, it can be cooking, it can be internet marketing stuff, whatever. Like when I cook, like it's cool to see a recipe, but it's also cool just to turn it on and watch somebody doing it. So I found my favorite right now is doing that. But but honestly, it just really varies. Like Friday I had a post. It's been my, my most popular content upgrade I've ever done. And it was like a Google spreadsheet, uh, just a Google Doc spreadsheet of links and titles. And it was got over 500 opt-ins from it. You know, it's yeah. kind of, sometimes it's kind of just random. Uh, so just experiment with them, see what works for you and see what your readers respond to. That's the nice thing about upgrades. You can measure it. It's better than Google Analytics because you can see what people actually want by seeing what they entered their email address for and noticed where your spikes are in your analytics. If you normally have... 50 opt-ins and you get 150 from this topic, well then talk about that topic more. Maybe you need to create a product about that topic. Maybe you can, you know, there's just a lot of stuff you can do with upgrades. Like I've created multiple products as a result of seeing what opt-ins that people opted into the most and then creating a paid product around. It's a great validation strategy. Yeah, totally. And I guess if you're using something like lead boxes or perhaps a system like a, a I don't know, an Entreport or an infusion software, you can tag those particular form fills, then you get that you get that learning back almost instantaneously. So I love yeah. it too. Yeah, you can do it. In, I mean, lead pages will give you numbers. It won't tell you who did it, but it'll tell you how many people did it. Uh, you can, I mean, MailChimp, Aweber, any of them, you can actually, some of them have limitations as far as how many content upgrades you can do. I think right now with MailChimp, you could do 27 content upgrades, which if you've done 27 content upgrades and you're doing a decent job, you'll have a big list that'll justify paying for some higher end software. Yeah. But you can do up to 27 and tag individuals and know the exact individuals that opt into your upgrades. Um, with lower end software like MailChimp, that's ten bucks a month starting out yeah. or something. Perfect. Uh, and then you can of course follow people up with very specific messaging if you want to drill down that far, can't you? I mean you yeah. know exactly what they've joined your list for. You can really tailor your content and your sequencing as you follow them up afterwards. Absolutely. If you're honestly, if you're starting a business online, uh, your email list should be your number one focus. And if you're not using content upgrades to build your email list, you're just you're responsible. Like it's it's crazy that people more people aren't doing it. It completely blows my mind. It's the single best tactic I've ever seen, and it works across. I've tried it in I don't know how many industries now with other coaching clients and consulting people and friends that are in different worlds. And I mean, there's one buddy of mine that's collecting six thousand email addresses a month, and he was collecting eight hundred a month. Wow. The only thing he did is went to his top ten post of all time and added content upgrades to him. 
it's it's completely blows my mind how well they work. Um, so anyway, I, I mean, if you're going to focus on one thing, create good content, put upgrades in them, guest post with it, and your list will be huge in no time. Yeah, well, I'm sure that message is drilling itself home. You're not the first person to mention it. We we laboured on that topic quite a lot with your good friend and mine also, uh, Brian Dean. And I think, of course, Tim Page, when we had him on a few episodes ago, was also um, versing the benefits of the content upgrade. So, um, listener, I guess, if you haven't quite got it <laughs> in your mind yet that it's a damn good strategy to be implementing, I would say that's your one action point as a result of today's podcast. Yeah, and the great thing is, not everybody's going to do it. So. Will it become more popular? Yes. Will it ever go out of style? I don't know. But a great thing long-term for you to pay attention to is look at what other people are doing in different industries. Look at sports. Look at the newspaper. Look at magazines. Like, Look at the movies. See what Tom Cruise does when he promotes a new movie. Like, Pay attention to that kind of stuff, and you can pull these incredible – Like, I got this technique from a software company. From like, Lead Pages didn't – they did this <laughs> – well, I'm not going to say that, but Lead Pages was using this technique for growing software subscriptions. They're the first and only people I've ever seen doing it. Um, then a couple, I started doing it, and a couple other people started doing it, and now it's becoming even more popular. But it came from a software company that wasn't even doing it. Lead Pages didn't do this in their blog articles. They did it when they released a new theme into Lead Pages. They would just give away the template to go with it. They didn't do this in blog articles. Now they do it in blog articles because they see how well it works. But like the idea came from a software company, not from a blog. Like if you're always reading blogs, internet marketing blogs, to learn about internet marketing, you're going to be about five years behind everything. So pay attention outside of your world, see what other people are doing, and try to figure out a way to fit it into your world. That's how I found Content Upgrade was by doing that. And I'm sure other stuff will come out of that. But that's probably one of the best tips I can give anybody in any business is Pay attention to other people, see other people outside of your industry and try to bring their strategies into your world. Well, let's kind of wrap things up there appropriately, because that is kind of the theme of your website video fruit, right? You kind of take strategies that you've seen implemented elsewhere and you put them into frameworks that other people can then replicate themselves. Tell us a little bit about what you've got going on at videofruit.com. Yeah, so uh, videofruit.com is an experiment that I started back in uh, April of last year. And I was just interested in online business. So I did a few things that led me into the video world. And I realized that I'd been in on, offline marketing for the past 12 years doing uh, direct B2B and B2C sales. But I didn't know anything about online business at all. So I just started paying attention to what people that were doing a good job at online business were doing, the strategies they were using, the approaches they were taking. And I just started Video Fruit as an experiment to see if I could grow an online business by using uh, the strategies that successful people are doing. So I combined a lot of my offline experience with a lot of other people's online experience and have just tried and uh, cut and paste and changed and <laughs> just tried a bunch of different methods to see what works, to see. I mean, six months ago or eight months ago, I had no idea what an email list even was or how to use it or why it was important. Now it's these, like if you don't have an email list and you have a business at all, you're just throwing money away. Like it's the single most important thing Outside of actually providing value to people, like in marketing wise, it's the single most important thing for you to do is build a list. I didn't know that eight months ago. I had no clue. Uh, so now that I, like I've learned that kind of stuff by reverse engineering what other people are doing. And I just, like, as a teaching mechanism, as a learning mechanism, really, uh, I just teach this stuff publicly as I find stuff. Like something I just experimented with last week was a giveaway. 
And man, that has blown my mind. I've collected 1,700 email addresses in like a week by doing a giveaway. I had no idea those things worked so well. Uh, so I'll be doing a formula on those in the next probably month and a half is showing the results of that, how I did it, and how other people can do the same thing. So it's just an experiment. As I do experiments, I report back on the results, and uh, people have resonated with it. It's been, it's been fun. I really enjoy it. Good. Well, it clearly has worked for you. So perhaps uh, another action point for our listeners would be to head on over to videofruit.com and kind of see what you're up to and perhaps model some of the strategies that you too are implementing. Brian, outside of videofruit.com, is there anywhere else we should direct our listeners off to as a result of listening to today's session? No, I mean, the best place to find me, I set up a few bonuses over at videofruit.com slash email. If you're interested, we talked about a lot about building an email list. So um, if you want to come over there, I got some of my best formulas there. You can come and check out and uh, join the email list. I put out two uh, formulas a week that teach you how to do different things. And they're always, I try to pull stuff that's very different than what all of the mainstream sites are doing. So you'll find uh, some really interesting techniques and strategies that really nobody else talks about. Uh, so come over there, check it out. I'd love to have you. Well, thank you, Brian. So to you, the listener, to get all of the resources and links mentioned by Brian in today's show, head on over to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 47. So there you go. That was Brian Harris from videofruit.com. To get the best results from this podcast, make sure you put the expanded guest post formula into action. And to help you with that, I prepared a special EGP formula cheat sheet and resource guide. Now, it's available by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 48. And on the cheat sheet, you'll find the simple step-by-step process you need to follow to create your first expanded guest post. Plus, with the resource guide, you get a list of expanded guest posts others have published so you can get ideas and model that format for your own scenario. So you can get both the resource guide and the cheat sheet plus MP3 full transcript of today's show at trafficjamcast.com forward slash 48, where of course you can also join the discussion for this episode. So thank you for listening in to episode 48. To make sure that you get episode 49 as soon as it's released, remember to subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher Radio, which you can do by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash iTunes or trafficjamcast.com forward slash Stitcher. Now we end this week's show with a traffic jam chosen by me actually with a little directive from Brian. Now he said that I should go for a country and western track. Now admittedly my country and western is a little bit limited so I've gone for a famous artist and a famous track. The track title is called Walk the Line and it's by Johnny Cash so enjoy. on this heart of mine I keep my eyes wide open all the time I keep the ends out for the tie that binds because you're mine I walk the line I find it very very easy to be true I find myself alone when each day's through Yes, I'll admit that I'm a fool for you Because you're mine, 
I walk the line As sure as night is dark and day is light I keep you on my mind both day and night And happiness I've known proves that it's right Because you're mine I walk the line You've got a way to keep me on your side You give me cause for love that I can't hide For you I know I'd even try to turn the tide Because you're mine, I walk the line I keep a close watch on this heart of mine I keep my eyes wide open all the time I keep the ends out for the tie that binds Because you're mine, I walk the line You've been listening to the Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds to know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, Traffic check Jam out the website, trafficjamcast.com. Traffic